I've got two scriptures to launch into this morning, but before I do that, probably August last year, God started to speak to me about the, the way to go this year with the, uh, um, the theme of victory. And uh, I just want to encourage you that uh, God wants us to live in victory after victory. And it's much better than the alternative, which is living a loser and living in defeat all the time. So I want you to find your feet in the things of God spiritually so that you can win the, the uh, uh, season that we are in in life. So, um, so the two scriptures I want to start with this morning is Psalm 3 verse 8. It says, Victory comes from you, O Lord. May you bless your people. I really want to encourage you there. It, victory is God's idea. It comes from him. And we need to know how to accept living in victories. And it says, may you bless your people. I want you to be blessed today. I want you to be a blessed people. And uh, it's something we ought to grab hold of and be willing to accept because sometimes there's a, a misbelief that we think if we're going to follow Jesus that we somehow are a loser. I know what Brian Houston says, a, a comment he often uses, is you'll never come second when you put God first. And I want to encourage you this morning as we go through this message to realign your, realign your thinking, realign your mind to put God in the right place. And I think it's going to make a huge difference in many people's lives when they do that. Second scripture I want to show you this morning before we launch is 1 Corinthians 15 verses 56 and 57. For sin is the sting that results in death and the law gives sin its power. But thank God... He gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. So today's title is Victory Over Unbelief. Or I've put a subtitle, The Battle for Your Belief. And I think this is a, this is a critical area of our spiritual walk is the battle for our beliefs. So uh, I, I just go a little bit of background here. Um, the word belief, it's really interesting. It actually means that it's accepting something as truth without proof. When I discovered that, I thought that is really quite scary. Because saying when you say you believe something, it's truth. It's believing in something as truth without proof. And basically, that's the the, the power of faith is that we accept Jesus to, uh, as our savior and believe what he says he is about himself. But in many cases, we might say, well, I ca can't see the proof. I know in my heart, in my life, I know that there is a, there is a, a, a confirmation that, that Jesus is true. And I know that there's a, I've had experiences of the Holy Spirit that I know that God is real. But often there are people who come to an intellectual uh, understanding of God and they have a, we're going to look at some of these characters in the Bible, they have a belief, but there's also unbelief. I want to go back to the very beginning of, of the world. The sin nature was born in the Garden of Eden and it all started when the serpent, otherwise known as the devil, tempted Eve with the words, did the Lord really say? The serpent's masterful plan dropped doubt into Eve's soul and she sinned against God. You find that in, in Genesis 3 verses 1 to 6. And with that one doubt... Sin was unleashed upon the world. So we underestimate the devil's tool of doubt. And when we doubt, we give the devil a great foothold. So this perfect world that God created was corrupted by a single doubt. 
when we doubt God, we give sin a stronghold in our life that we need to take back. We need to, we need to deal with our doubts when it comes to the call and the purpose of God and start to claim back the victories that God wants us to enjoy. So the work of Jesus, if you don't know, is to win back our hearts to believe God again. That's the whole work and purpose of Jesus coming to earth, was to win our hearts back to God to believe again. So um, in uh, John 6 verse 28, there were people who were putting pressure on Jesus to perform miracles. Uh, they, they say, Jesus, you know, show us a miracle and then we'll believe. And they declared that they wanted, they wanted to perform God's work too. So they're saying, hey, we're in this with you, Jesus, but, but you somehow got to prove your, your truth to us by providing miracles. And now the, the, this same crowd of people are, are, are the crowd that Jesus fed with uh, a, a, a few pieces of bread and, and some small fish. And they come back to him the next day and say, well, keep showing us these kind of miracles. Keep showing us that kind of stuff. And then we're going to believe you because they're, they're saying to Jesus, we want to serve God too. So they've got you know, apparently a good motive here. But John 6 verse 29, Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you. Believe in the one he sent. You would have thought Jesus would have said, you know, go away and help people. Go and feed the sick, help the poor, um, you know, go and mow people's lawns, wash their cars, do all these great works and then you'll be pleasing God. Because they're saying we want to please God. And what Jesus brings them to is this one word. He says, if you want to please God, believe in the one he sent. So victory over unbelief, the battle for your belief. Jesus gave an unpopular reply, meaning if you want to serve God, it starts with believing. It starts with that simple thing. See, these people believed because they saw miracles. They wanted, they wanted to see more. Jesus wants us to believe, to put our confidence and hope in him. So there's a story of Mary and Martha when there was a death in their family. It's found in John 11 verse 17 and it reads it like this in the New Living Translation. It says, when Jesus arrived in Bethany, he was told that Lazarus, that's Mary and Martha's brother, had already been in his grave for four days. John 11 verse 19, and many of the people had come to console Mary and Martha in their loss. Now, things had, had already got from bad to worse. We often read the stories in the Bible and we don't put our own personality into it. We don't put our own emotions into the stories. We can just read it and, oh, yeah, yeah. And you think, hang on, there's just been a funeral. There's been a death in the family here. What would, what would the emotional state be of these two sisters? So I'll give you a chronology of events. Their brother got sick and they had called for Jesus and Jesus didn't come. Their brother got sicker and Jesus still isn't there. Their brother died, they had a funeral, and Jesus didn't even go to the funeral. Mary and Martha had grounds to be dissatisfied customers right now. You think about it. You think if you're in their shoes, you and your sister, your brother is sick. I'll put it this way, the pastor didn't even come and visit. He died and had a funeral, the pastor didn't even turn up. Or you think of anyone else in, in, in your church. They, they didn't even turn up. That, that is grounds for dissatisfaction. Four days after the funeral, four days after the funeral, 
Jesus arrives. Martha was the first to speak to him and she says, um, I think it's in John eleven twenty one. if only you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now look at Jesus' answer to her. It's found in John 11, verse 25 and 26. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never, ever die. Do you believe this, Martha? Now, here's the thought. How insensitive is Jesus? There's been a death in the family. First, he didn't show up when the brother was sick. Second, he talks about resurrection when someone's just died. And third, he, directs, he directly asks her, do you believe this, Martha? It's like, we're, we still haven't got over the funeral. We're still in grieving. We're still, we're still hurting about this. Talk about a tough question when they're still getting over a funeral. And I want to put it to you, Jesus will ask you the same question when you face hard times, do you believe? That's a time when you don't want to answer the question. That's a time when you're thinking, not the right time, inappropriate. But they're the very times that Jesus will come to you and ask the question, do you believe? Do you believe? See, do you believe is, it, is, is Jesus' question about himself and it requires a response. And Jesus will ask you on your dark day, do you believe? And this is where the battle for your belief starts, when things go bad. There's a death in the family. You lose your job. You run out of petrol. You can't find a car park. That's when Jesus asks, do you believe? Unfortunately, it can be the simple stuff that affects what and how we believe. I was being a little bit, bit naughty with the car park and the and the petrol, but, but that sometimes is the level of people's confidence in God. You know, they start throwing it all out the window, start getting frazzled out because of minor things that don't really matter that much. But I want to give you two other examples of belief. When a father met Jesus with a demon problem in his son, so the disciples couldn't cast it out, and he desperately seeks help for his son because it says, this demon gets my son, he can't talk, and, he, and he, he's deaf, I think it is. And he says, and he often throws him in the fire, it's like it's, and into water trying to kill him. It's a desperate situation. And this father is, is seeking help and he finds the disciples and he takes his son to the disciples. And it says, they couldn't cast the demon out. They couldn't fix the problem. And... I guess there's another dissatisfied customer right there. Well, I took my, took my problem to church and they couldn't help. They didn't give me the right answer. They, didn't, they couldn't help. Still went home the same. Still went home with the same problem. Another dissatisfied customer. Now, Jesus talks to the father, to this kid's father, Mark 9, verse 23. Jesus tells him, anything is possible if a person believes. In verse 24, the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. What? I believe, but I don't believe. We call this double-minded. We believe, but we also don't believe. We believe, but we have doubt. That little bit of belief that, that this father had was enough for Jesus to use, and Jesus heals the boy. And I'll tell you, we have to, we have to start living in a way that we confess our beliefs and not all our doubts. I know there's something that, there's a little saying that people often use, and maybe you say it a lot, you say, oh, I doubt it. 
You say, you know, we could do this. You go, I doubt it. We're going to build this fence. I doubt it. You know, we've got to stop that vocabulary coming out of our mouth and start saying, I can believe it. I believe in Jesus. I believe he has a destiny, a purpose, and a reason for me being here, for my life. I'll give you another father who had a sick daughter who came to Jesus. It's found in Matthew 5, verses 22 and 23. Now, this guy seeks after Jesus, and he he finds Jesus, and he says, my little daughter is dying. Heal her so she can live. Desperate situation. Desperate situation. Now, the, the, the thing is, this guy was first in line. He gets to Jesus and says, come, will you come to my house? You know, you know nothing is ever as desperate as when you have the need. I know if, if I have a need, I, I want everyone to, to help me fix my problem. If I lose my glasses, everyone in the house has to stop and look for my glasses. Help me find my glasses. I don't know where they are. But if it's someone else has lost something, it's like, yeah. <laughs> but Jesus has a distraction when this guy comes with his desperate need. And he's busy healing someone else. And while Jesus is is taking his time dealing with someone else's healing, this messenger arrives and says, don't bother the teacher anymore, your daughter's dead. Don't worry about calling Jesus, the worst has happened. It can't get worse than this. The worst thing just happened. And if he was believing, if his father was believing what he was seeing, he would have given up. Given up on Jesus. You took too long. I went to you first. I was first in line and someone else, you know, budged in, as my kids would say. Someone else pushed in and got the healing that was meant for my daughter and now she's dead. I guess there's another dissatisfied customer, Jesus. Jesus, I got to you first. I got to you in time when there was still hope, but you took too long and now the worst has happened. And I'll tell you, sometimes we our, our level of of maturity in the things of God is we're saying to God, you took too long. I was asking you for this need. I was asking you for this issue and you took too long and and someone else cut in front. They got the blessing and I missed out. This is where people are living. This is the level of many, many people's faith at the moment. Another dissatisfied customer. Mark 5 verse 36. As soon as Jesus heard the word, which was the child's dead, he said unto the, this is in the King James, it says this, As soon as Jesus heard the word that was spoken, he saith unto the ruler of the synagogue, that was the father of the kid, Be not afraid, only believe. So the point Jesus brought to all these desperate situations was that people would believe. Can I just have the, the music team come back and join me? So every day... You're in a battle for your belief. Every day as a church, we're in the battle for belief. I'm going to use it this way, maybe not correct vocabulary or or English, but how are we believing? Are we like the Father who who believes, but we have doubt as well? We have belief and unbelief, equally measured. But the battle for your belief is something you must win. See, the enemy wants you to doubt God, doubt your identity, doubt your gender, doubt your calling, doubt your ability, doubt your salvation. He wants you to doubt everything. And the enemy wins when we doubt that. Jesus wins when we believe. And I'm going to tell you, there's ministries that need to be birthed in people's lives, but you've got to start believing. 
there's, there's a call of God and a destiny of God that is on you, but you've got to start believing. You've got to align your faith, your belief with the, the purpose and the plan that God has for you and start to connect in with that. Start to put your wheels in motion. Start to say, God, I believe in your call. There's a scripture that, and I remember I spoke this the very first Sunday I, I came to be the pastor here. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when dreams are fulfilled, it's a tree of life. And I believe there are many Christians who are broken down on the unbelief scale because they had a hope deferred. And it's made their heart sick. You know, the enemy wants to say, you know what? You're waiting too long. That promise is never going to come to you. God messed up when he made you. And he's putting all these hopes deferred into our soul and into our spirit. And what the Holy Spirit wants to do today is start to breathe life, start to breathe truth, start to breathe a, a, a perspective that comes from God again into our spirit, into those hopes deferred and bring us into a place of, of truth and life and power of belief. So this morning we can't, um, we can't physically lay hands on people because of the the circumstances that we uh, have church but the battle for your belief is something you must win and the enemy wins when you doubt God's purpose Jesus wins when you believe Jesus brings healing when, when we believe